0: It's, uh, it's the season of traditions. We are uh, still, uh, at our house, still celebrating the Thanksgiving tradition. And um, one of the traditions we have long established as a family is um, we don't play Christmas music until Thanksgiving dinner is cleaned up. <laughs> and, uh, but that's now in the past, and Christmas music is playing in our home. Uh, We love uh, love the traditions of this season. And uh, this morning, uh, as we begin our traditional uh, journey to Bethlehem, journey to the manger, uh, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, uh, we are going to begin this season with A tradition that still has meaning. You know how sometimes you do traditions and you forget why? Uh, But this tradition that we're going to uh, share together in this morning as Pastor Tim comes to begin this series uh, of messages through the season, this tradition, the tradition of taking together the bread and the cup, the body, And uh, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in symbolic fashion. This tradition we do because Jesus said to. And we do not forget. Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do so in remembrance of me. And so um, what Mike uh, said as he began our time in worship together um, smacked me in the forehead and I pulled out my pen and wrote it down. Does this mean anything to you? Uh, does this little wafer of bread and the, the drop of juice protected by foil mean anything at all to us? The song, the, the, the Christmas carol that uh, we just sang together, what child is this? Uh, we sang about a child laying, a baby, an infant laying uh, across the lap of its mother. But I couldn't help but picture in my mind that that sculpture. I think Michelangelo um, famously sculpted a picture of the crucified Savior laying across the lap of his weeping mother. And I couldn't help but think, why lies he in such mean a state? I couldn't help but think of a borrowed tomb. What child is this? Pastor Tim is going to lead us in some thoughts about that, and I hope that I don't um, step on him. But um, uh, there was a man out in the wilderness one day who looked off and saw in the distance this man, Jesus approaching and he called out to those nearby behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world that's who this child is jesus said to those who were listening to him i am the bread of life he who comes to me will not hunger And he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus, on that night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. And maybe when he gave thanks, he said something like this. Though I'm sure he wasn't speaking English. (laughs) Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe who brings forth, bread, brings forth bread from the earth. When he had blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's eat this bread in remembrance of Jesus. John the Baptist said this Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Peter, much later, wrote these words. You know that you were not redeemed from your corrupt, sinful way of living with with perishable things like silver or gold or precious jewels. You couldn't buy your way to forgiveness. But... You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. The Lamb of God, Revelation says, who was slain from the foundation of the world. He is the one who redeems us and takes away our sin. When the supper was ended, the Lord Jesus took the cup, and again he blessed it. And maybe he said something like this. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. And he said to them, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. This do in remembrance of me. One of the things I don't like about the English language is that we don't have big enough words to say thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Pastor Tim.
1: Well, good morning. I want to, uh, again, thank you everyone for coming out today and joining us. Uh, My daughter was so excited this morning when she woke up and she looked out the window and she wanted to let everybody know that it had snowed. And she was, I mean, she's, so it's beautiful. Pastor John, I am right there with you. I'm, I'm a fan of the snow, not all year, all winter, but at least the first snowfall, snow for Christmas. Snow for New Year's and then it can go away. That's totally fine. I'm good with that. So this morning we are starting our Advent series and uh, we threw around some ideas for titles and series and we came up with Carols to the King. So over the next couple of weeks, uh, you're going to hear myself today, uh, Ben next week, and then we have a choir program for the kids and then Pastor John, and then it's Christmas Eve, and then it's the Sunday after Christmas, and then we're in New Year's. Amen. So as we're moving into Advent, Advent, if you're not sure of what it is, Advent is simply this. It's looking forward to or expecting the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And all of our songs this morning pointed to that person. It pointed to the reality of, of this joyous occasion that we celebrate at Christmas. And typically, the liturgical calendar... For Advent covers four things in symbolism. Peace, love, hope, and joy. But we've heard that a lot. I think that was, for a couple years, some of the series and themes that we would do leading into Christmas. So a couple years back, we thought, hey, let's make this a team effort. And all of us participate in our advent series heading into christmas and we've done the names of the king we did the gifts of the magi we've heard the 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 peace love joy so this year we're taking a look at some of our favorite carols our favorite songs that we like to sing and just trying to pull some of god's truth out of it and how it applies to our lives um one thing that I, I did offer to share before we start, we're going to share. I'm going to share this, and we'll jump right into it. Um, Don is somewhere here. I thought I saw him. He's here. He said something after the uh, dinner last week that I thought this was something I wanted to share as we were celebrating Pastor John and his retirement. And most of you, if have you seen the State Farm commercials, Jake from State Farm. And everybody thinks that Jake from State Farm has a very special, specific rate for that person. Like this is the Aaron Rodgers rate, this is the Patrick Mahomes rate. Don said, Pastor John was like that State Farm guy. (laughs) It's just everybody had this feeling that what he was doing was specifically aimed at them. Like it was just he was ministering directly and only to me or to this person or that person. So I, I thought that was an awesome thought and I wanted to share that as uh, we, we again get the time to celebrate and enjoy these last couple of weeks together. So Advent, for me, is a, a great opportunity to just step back, kind of hit the pause button, reflect a little bit, maybe pray, read. Last year, my wife ordered these awesome books, one on Advent and one heading into Easter with a bunch of different theologians and writers and thinkers. And just flipping through it, it's, it's really challenging kind of getting outside of that box of of maybe our denominational ties or our, our doctrinal leanings and seeing, wow, there's some, some impressive, really challenging things out there that can really push us deeper in our faith. So the whole point, this slowing down, think about it. If you were involved in serving or helping with the dinner last week, we can go all the way back to two weeks ago where it's kind of been nonstop. Just run, 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 run. We had a dinner, and then we had uh, most of you were probably either traveling or you were preparing for people to come in from travel. So we're cleaning our house, we're getting ready for company, we're getting ready for family, we're cooking dinner, we're eating leftovers, we're going shopping, we're getting ready for the holidays, and it's just this nonstop circle pretty much from two weeks ago, and it doesn't stop until we get to after New Year's. When we finally just get a chance to really stop And pause, but Advent, I really think Advent gives us the opportunity to just stop over these next couple of weeks. And it's a reminder to pause, just to consider what exactly it is that we're moving to celebrate. So I'm going to invite you this morning to join me in prayer. And I want to talk with you about that song we sang and uh, pull some truths out of it and share that with you today. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful today to be here. Father, to, to, to read your word, to hear more about you to see what it is that you're calling us to do, how we respond to the, to the person of Christ, what his sacrifice means for us, but not just for us, but for the whole world, God. We've heard it in song this morning. We've heard it in our challenge of communion. God, what does this really, truly mean to us when we're asked this, this question of what child is this? So, Father, help us this morning to hear. Help us to remove obstacles, remove those things that distract us. Help us, God, to focus on your words this morning. Father, I pray that I would speak clear, slowly, that if someone is here, someone that may be searching, someone who's looking to go deeper, someone who's wondering, what does all this mean to have a relationship with you? What does it mean, this King of Kings, this, this salvation, this, this sacrifice on the cross, that, Father, today those questions could be answered? So many times, Lord, we, we miss the reality of who you are. So I pray this morning that would not fall flat on us. Help us, God. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Mike, thank you for saving me about three to five minutes. He shared already who wrote the song, some of the background information on it. So I'm just going to cross that whole page off. Done. <laughs> awesome. We talked about it. We did. Yeah, it was awesome. So here's the thing. So we, we, we came up with this idea about carols to the king. And this is, this is just it's my favorite Christmas song. And I don't know why, I don't know what, what drew me to it as a kid, but as far back as I can remember, this was one of the favorite songs that I really just enjoyed singing. I really enjoyed the words, the, the, the story as it unfolds. And it's the question and the answer. So as I was, I was putting ideas, I don't know how Pastor John or Pastor Dennis or others, how they prepare for sermons, but sometimes I just, here's my theme, here's what I'm going to go with, here's the passage, and you just kind of start free writing. And you write a circle and an idea, and then this branches off and that branches off. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what am I looking at here? I don't even understand it. And this happened. So here's what I would do. I, I would sit either in the office, or I'd have my headphones on, or I'd be at home late at night working on, on, on an outline, trying to come up with something, and I'd just have the song kind of playing over and over Just listening to it, kind of reflecting on the words, trying to get into that headspace of what the writer may have felt, what he was thinking about. And I I came up with a handful of directions, but every time, as I'm trying to work them out, it was like dead end after dead end after dead end. I was like, I don't know where to go with this. So recently, as I was going through it and listening to it, there were three questions that popped into my head along with this question that Dix asks us this morning, and his question is this, what child is this? And this is what, what scripture tells us and this is what we're we're looking at this morning. And, and here's what's really awesome about this is Isaiah has already gone ahead and Isaiah has already answered this question for us years and years and years before Christ is even born. At this time, Isaiah's in ministry. Israel's in crisis. We're looking at about 200 years that the kingdom had been split. There's a northern kingdom. There's a southern kingdom. And there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. They're in political turmoil. They're in moral failings. They're in religious compromise. And Isaiah's been given this this charge to go and preach this message of judgment to both nations. And here's what Isaiah writes as this promise of an eternal king to come. This is what he writes. He says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That sounds familiar. That was two years ago. And that says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Isaiah answers this question for us. And we say, well, what child is this? Isaiah says it's simple. This is the child of promise. And what's also really cool about this is this is fulfilled in us. We see this in the story in the New Testament in both Matthew and Luke. We're going to skip reading over it. I'm going to give you the real quick paraphrase. I'm trying to be mindful of the time. Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2. Both of these Gospels note the fulfillment of this promise. In Matthew's Gospel, he traces the genealogy through David back to Abraham. And this confirms both. It confirms the promise of Israel's king, and it also confirms the promise of the covenant he made with Abraham. And Luke takes a slightly different approach. He uses his research to reveal some of the familial story that surrounds Jesus' birth. He talks about his relatives. Those who are actively looking for the Messiah. His, his aunt, his cousin. And how they all interact. And, and how this becomes personal. It's a, a real, genuine experience. And both... Both have a snippet of what childhood was like for Jesus. There's not a lot in Scripture that talks about who Jesus was as a child, really what he did, just essentially Luke and Matthew. Matthew gives the birth. He talks about the visit of the wise men. He talks about the escape of Herod to Egypt and their return after Herod's death. And then it fast forwards to John the Baptist. And in the Gospel of Luke, it's kind of the same thing. We get the story of the travel to Bethlehem. If you've watched your favorite uh, Christmas movie, the, the Charlie Brown one, Linus gives the the monologue from Luke chapter 2. It's the travel to Bethlehem, the birth. It talks about some of the important people that Jesus is introduced to as a baby that confirms who he is, the child of promise that they were looking for, this Jesus the Messiah And then there's this really awesome story of Jesus' parents going back home and Jesus just kind of got left behind. I've been there as a kid and I'll share with you, you know, you hear this, you're like, how could you lose the Messiah? Like, (laughs) but I think about this, I've done this. My daughter's downstairs, Avery. When she was a baby, we went to the grocery store. We got out of the car. And we got about eight spots away, and they went, we're forgetting something. And go back and get the baby. She was still in the car carrier. I felt like the worst parent ever. But then I read this, and I was like, well, if they can forget Jesus, I mean, <laughs> it can't be the worst thing. But here's, here's where I, I read through these elements of the story and where it becomes real. In both of these situations, both of what Matthew records and what Luke records, there is this broadcasting of the arrival of this child. I read an article recently about the sterilization of the manger scene. And it was a good article, nothing too crazy or theologically deep. It was just sometimes we maybe overlook the arrival of who Jesus is and what He is and what Mary would have went through, because when we see it in pictures, it looks so heavenly and glorious. And then we sing these songs away in a manger, and it's like, it's so peaceful and quiet. I've got three little ones. I was present for all of them. It's not peaceful and quiet. And I can only imagine, as not only have they the wise men showed up and the shepherds and in and different spots where they 've presented Jesus to the prophet and the prophetess and they 're both confirming this is the Messiah that someone somewhere in this crowded city where they 're stuck in this manger delivering a baby someone 's got to hear something going on, and someone 's got to be going what is what is happening over here and i 'm sure the innkeeper's probably telling people you 're not going to believe this. They rented out the stable, and they had a baby. I I just, to me, I think it must have been wild. And I think, at that moment, this is the start of that question. Who is this child? Who are these people? This is an amazing story. From day one, this is one of the most amazing stories in history. From shepherds to wise men to Pharisees, no matter what happens, there is a recognition that this child of promise is no ordinary child. Luke tells us that he grew in grace and stature and wisdom, and then we fast forward and we're introduced to Jesus as a man. In my preparing for this, my first question was, what child is this? And as it goes, children become adults. So the next question, as I'm, as I'm preparing and I'm looking through this, the next question for me is, well, what, what man is this? Who is the person that, that, that Jesus grew into? Like, What, what happens? What comes next? And, and this is a question that comes also from one of my favorite portions of the Gospels. In Mark chapter four, just for background, we're given this 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 the setting where Jesus is traveled to Capernaum with his disciples. He's he's watching as uh, the disciples are watching as healings are taking place. His reputation is spreading. People are coming to know who Jesus is. He's building a following, and the crowds are coming to hear him preach. They're coming to hear him teach. They're coming to see the miracles, and his disciples are hungry to learn all that they can from. There is something about this man that draws people in there is a reality to that jesus is drawing people not only to himself but to the father and we heard that this morning in both what pastor john had said the way the truth the life with what dr ashley had said about being the bread living bread living water and we see that again in mark chapter 4 here's the story we're going to key on at the end it's mark chapter 4 Verses 35 through 41, it says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side. And after dismissing the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was and other boats were with him. And a fierce gale of wind developed, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling with water. And yet Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And here's that question. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I memorized this verse in the King James. And in that it says, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? Normally, when we hear this story, we talk about Jesus calming the storms in your life. That's not it today. Because what we're focusing on is this question. These disciples, these very same people, the experience of the disciples to this point. Now hear this. Mark has pointed out from chapter 1 to chapter 4 that Jesus has been teaching them. He has been providing them with in-depth theological teaching. He's casted out demons. He's healed multiple people. He did more teaching. He pushed back against the traditional Jewish laws and customs. They've seen transformation happening in the lives of his followers and others coming to him. He's continued to cast out more demons and heal more people with little effort. Those who were coming in the crowd that would just touch him and they would be healed. And then he fought more with the religious leaders. Which brings us to this. All that time, all of these experiences, everything that they've witnessed, everything that they've done, this is the thing that gets their attention. They had spent all of this time with Jesus and had still yet to understand, to fully believe the very truth about who He is. Here's what I think this song, What Child Is This?, what Dix wants to reveal to us through Scripture. That this very same Jesus is the man who heals the leper and restores. He's the one who gives sight to the blind. He's the one who makes the lame walk. He's the one that heals all manner of suffering. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He's the one who raises the dead. He's the one who commands the demons to flee. He's the one who holds eternal life. He's the one who took our suffering, our punishment, our shame, died on the cross, that we could be free. That we could have life. That we could have abundant life. That we could be called the children of the living God. No ordinary man. He's the God-man. The Son of Man. The Son of the living God. The disciples, so close, and some of them still missed it. That's our question for today for us, too. What child is this? This is the child of promise. Are we recognizing who Jesus truly is? Or are we kind of like the disciples looking at this going, who is this guy? Is this really real? Is this, is this true? Is this, is this something I'm, I'm genuinely having a real life experience with? So then, this moves the third question that I thought about in preparing for this sermon. We flip a couple chapters over to Mark chapter 8, and here's what we find Jesus is still doing Jesus' things. It's all throughout Scripture. What's he doing? Well, he's acting in compassion, he's feeding the crowds still picking fights with religious leaders, healing the blind man. And then he has this private session with his disciples. Our first question, what child is this? Our second question, what manner of man is this? And our third question, who do you say he is? Mark chapter 8 records this experience that the disciples had with Jesus. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way... He questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he continued questioning them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. The disciples had seen all of these miracles. And now as we're fast forward into a little bit of history and we're we're moving ahead in time and what they've experienced and what they've seen, they're coming to understand the reality of who Jesus truly is. And he's more than just the songs that we sing. And he's more than just what we, we say. Well, it's Jesus's birthday. It's Christmas. It's more than that. It has eternal consequences. What our belief of the identity of who Jesus is. It has consequences for the here and now for how we live how we interact what we do how we worship Jesus says who do you say that I am that that last line there before Peter answers that I am statement that also kind of stood out to me because in the book of John there are eight occasions where Jesus tells people who he is this is what he says he says I'm the bread of life he says I'm the light of the world He says, before Abraham was born, I am. He says, I'm the door of the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm the true vine. Everything that we need in this life is summed up in the one single person of Jesus Christ. What satisfies, what protects, what guides, what grows, what sustains. All of this found in the person of Christ. Jesus is continually revealing the identity, his true identity as the divine Messiah and Savior. And now in Mark, Jesus is asking the same group of people that stood on a boat four chapters before and said, Who is this guy? And he's saying to them, Who do you think I am? And their response is, You are the Messiah. What really kind of blows my mind is even in Jesus' time, it's clear that different people had a different answer for who Jesus was. Even in what Mark writes, Mark said some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're Elijah, others think you're a prophet. The Jews thought Jesus was a heretic. The Romans thought Jesus was a political insurrectionist. I would like to think that all of us sitting in this room would have the same response that Peter had. But I'm not sure that we do. So, confession time. As I'm listening to this song on repeat, and I'm hearing it again and again and again, I'm singing along with it, and then I was singing it, and I got to the chorus, and I went, green sleeves was my delight, and I realized something. At the moment that song, the answer to that question became background noise. Now, now, does that have an eternal impact that I sang a different chorus? It, it, It doesn't. I'm I'm I firmly believe who Jesus is, fully trusting in his redemptive work on the cross, his conquering victory over death at the resurrection. Someone who who, who spends time studying and reading and, and teaching and and here I am singing this song, trying to plan a message about it, and it's background noise. i I lost sight of what the question was that I was trying to answer. I wonder for some of us, how often does this question become background noise? How often does it just become, uh, we go through the motions of it, it's, uh, you know, it's fun, it's Christmas, we won't hear it again for another 11, 12 months. And the reality is, Jesus is not changing. Nothing nothing has changed about who he is. Nothing has changed about what he's done. Nothing's changed about the power that he brings to our life. John 10.10, 10, he talks about how uh, the, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He says, I come to give abundant life. And I think, is, is that the response? Am I really living an abundant life if my response is, this is background noise? This is is just something we do on Sundays. Sometimes Wednesdays, occasionally on Fridays if we have a special event. When we think, what child is this? What man is this? That question has to be answered for us. Who do you say he is this morning? Some of us are still standing in the boat. We've, we've, we've gone through these experiences with Jesus. We've gone through these experiences in our religious community, in our Christian circles, and we, we see what is happening, and we're just still looking at there going, yeah, who is this guy? Is, is this real? And there's some who are standing on the truth that Peter has confirmed. This is Christ, the Messiah. So for our Advent season, we're getting ready to close. I'm I'm asking you to consider this morning those questions. What child is this? This child of promise. What man is this? The man who heals, saves, restores, redeems. The bread of life, the living water, the way, the truth, the life. There's only one way, folks. Only one. Some of us are here this morning, and we're thinking, "I want to, I want to grow more. I want, I want to go deeper in this relationship." We're here to help you with that this morning. And if you're too nervous to come talk to us this morning, you can call us at the office. You can email us. You can contact us on social media. You can fill out a little card you can ask jody who we introduced everybody this morning that hey i'd like to schedule time to talk with one of the pastors because here's here's what's important some of us are are here trying to figure out what our role is we spent the last four to six weeks six weeks i think it is hearing about spiritual gifts And how these gifts aren't just for us to kind of sit on and enjoy, but they're to help build the church, build the kingdom, build each other, edify, teach. All all the things that Pastor John has been telling us for the last nine years. And some of us, when answering this question, it's, okay, so what's next? What's my role here? What does harmony look like with me for the future? Some of us, maybe we're here this morning and we're thinking, I'd really like to make Peter's answer my answer. I want to know who this Jesus is. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people in this room that can help you with that. What child is this? This is Christ the King. Hail, hail the Word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Let's pray. Father, God, we are grateful this morning as we move into this Advent season with this expectation of who you are this joyous occasion of you breaking history to come to this earth. You've revealed yourself to us in so many ways. Father, I pray this morning that as we we take these words to heart and trying to understand what child is this, who is this man, who do we think you are, God, that there would be a reality, a, a real moment, a gut check to see where we are. Father, I know that I can't be the only one where my relationship has just become background noise. And Father, I pray if there are people here this morning that that feel the need to just be restored and strengthened in that walk, that they would that come forward to get prayer, or God, that they would they would take the time to stop and consider, what is it that's causing me to stumble, to fall, to stay behind? Father, for those who are here this morning who have maybe grown up in church all their life and maybe they've been here at Harmony all their life and, and they're thinking, I, I want to go deeper. I want to really get in and see and understand who the person of Christ really is, the nature of God, His character, what it truly means for me that, God, they would, they would take those steps forward. Most importantly, God, I pray that if there's one person, anyone here or listening online that's thinking, I want to know who this Jesus is. I want to know how I can experience this new life, this abundant life, how I can be saved, rescued, restored. God, that they would have the courage to come forward to talk to someone here today, to not leave without pausing and thinking. This whole Advent season is specifically about reflecting and looking with expectation of what's to come. And Father, you came. You came to deliver us. The song says nails, spears, pierce them through. You bore that cross for us. Father, you rose victorious over sin, over death. I pray this morning, God, that you would empower us to draw people to you, that this kingdom would grow. And for those who are searching searching and seeking, they would see the light of the world and respond. Father, we pray and commit all of these things in your powerful name.
0: Amen.